<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. I can't make this work, then I'm going to have to get a real job. Right now, I am out. Hey, listen to me. This is a real job. I'm the one with the job. You're the one who lies around the house all day in a pool of your own slobber. Gary Hoffman. He drug a stink in here so bad the livestock wouldn't stay. Shannon Farron. She is washed up. You understand me? She's finished. She's a troublemaker. She's on my list. Gary and Shannon. You can Google it. It's worth a Google. Now for the coup de grace. I just told people that you were with your... this microphone, huh? We didn't get anybody in here to fix this thing. I got for four days and nobody fixed this thing. What's wrong with it? This isn't, this isn't the right thing. It's all up. It's a plugged into here. It should be plugged into this thing. It's it's literally... Wait, you, you leave for the weekend? You come back as Mariah Carey? What the hell? It's fine. Just, it works fine. Well, if I Conan that thing out of that and, and you go, well, what would you do that for? Would you break that for? I'd say, no, no. I, I made my point. Should have been fixed. So I just told people that you were with friends in a cabin in the woods. Yes, I was. Okay. I mean, we didn't spend the entire time in the cabin in the woods. But there was a cabin in the woods. You get gamey in there? Beautiful. No. Six um, guys? No, the thing is the weather was incredible. So we just sat, the doors open, wide open, the windows open and everything. And Blake, this, this arm right here, this whole arm is not the one that's supposed to be here. Gary would also like a bowl of green M&M's. <laughs> better? That's better. Just hope it, it, okay. Was that yeah, really it did, that, that actually difficult? Helps. Thanks, Blake. No problem, man. You did that without any tools. Got you. He's so cute. <laughs> Poor little guy. I can't believe Blake had to fix that for you. Well, I... You could I, have done that. I didn't even... I wasn't going to mess with it while we're on the air. Gosh, that would be weird. <laughs> uh, no, it was beautiful. It was, uh, we, were in, we were in Hochatown, Oklahoma. Just outside of Broken Bow. That sounds rural. <laughs> it was highly rural. It's a good way to put it. Um, but fun. So what did you guys do? Sat around and talked and told yeah. stories that weren't entirely true. Okay. But fun. My, my face did hurt. I said last night as I was laying in bed, my wife's reading a book, and, and I'm going like this with my hands on my cheeks. From laughing so What's hard? What's the matter? She goes, I said, my, my face hurts from laughing. That's so cool. I that's love that. That's the way it's supposed yeah, to be, right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. So it was great. But uh, m- uh, my buddy that was driving got a ticket, got a speeding ticket. In fact, there were two speeding tickets now that I think about it. Uh, I met one of Texas' finest state troopers. Bunch of men, old friends getting together to break the law mm. in a cabin filled with stories <laughs> and brotherhood. Yeah. Nothing weird happened, though. Mm. What do you mean by weird? Tell me more. Like, relationally weird? 
No. Okay. Uh, but somebody did break a lazy boy at one point. He's kind of an ape. Yeah. He doesn't know his own strength. Was it Jason Nathanson? No. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so that was fun. It was a good time. Uh, we have a bunch to get to today. At the uh, the bottom of the hour, we're going to give you an update on the Jesse Smollett case, the story that we haven't talked about for a week because, well, R. Kelly and uh, Michael Jackson have been in the news for the most part. So that woman who uh, who got in a fight with the Jaguar, right? I think that she deserved that. Well, and by the way, kudos to the zoo because the zoo is saying, no, we don't. We don't euthanize an animal for being an animal. The woman was the idiot. If anybody, we should put her down. Yes. I mean, that's not exactly what they said. If you go into an animal enclosure for a selfie, you're done. Yeah. Darwinism. Bye. (laughs) Bye. You're not not even going to help them? You're not even going to pull them back out? Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Well, there's that. We've got the uh, the Jose Canseco uh, is now going after A-Rod for cheating on his new fiance, J-Lo. Which is kind of funny because I guess Jose Canseco is now the the voice of reason when it comes to relations. Th- that headline made me not want to get out of bed. <laughs> it was one of the first ones I saw, and I'm like, are we doing this? Is this what we're doing today? Uh, also, we're 20 years now. Next month, in fact, will be the 20-year anniversary of the shooting at Columbine High School. And later in the show, the principal, who was there at the time, says, quote, I let them down. 13 people died on my watch. How he thinks he may have had something to do with what happened at Columbine High School back in 1999. Well, authorities in Ethiopia, China, and Indonesia now have grounded all of those Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft. This comes after the crash yesterday of that Ethiopian Airlines jetliner killed 157 people. They do have the flight recorders from the field where that plane went down it went down shortly after takeoff and this is eerily similar to that lion air jet that crashed last year killing 189 people october i believe it was yeah so this is and i didn't realize this this is the most popular airplane in the world there are a couple hundred a few hundred in service right now but boeing has orders for like 4600 more of these airplanes to be built and put into service relatively soon. I don't understand what we're doing with these planes. Uh, I thought that they basically flew themselves. Well, that's that is the issue. Is if if there is a software bug, if there's some sort of instrumentation that's that is I see faulty in some of and the they're airplanes, they're not able to correct it. They're not either able, either able to correct it or they just can't find it yet. Which I that that's terrifying. That's the terrifying part. Considering how many of these are in service, I think. Uh, in the United States, you've got uh, American Airlines is one of them. I think American Delta. American has 24 uh, in its fleet. Says no plans to ground them at the moment. Southwest has 34. Does not plan to change its operational policies or procedures. Those are the most uh, popular. Well, and to, that should give you an idea. Granted, it's just dozens. It's not hundreds. That give you an idea of how... Um, how new these airplanes are. I mean, these just finished testing two and a half years ago and had just started getting put into service. In fact, this plane that crashed in Ethiopia was only four months old and had about uh, 1,500 flight hours on it, I guess, which is infantile when it comes to airplane history. People from 35 different countries died in that crash. 
I don't. Here's the thing. Boeing is going to have an issue. I know that the Boeing stock prices took a hit earlier today. I haven't checked and see how they are in the last hour or so. But um, Boeing has said they don't intend to issue any new guidance to their customers. Granted, when a plane crashes and it's a Boeing plane, they're going to send the team of investigators to Ethiopia to check this out. They're going to be involved in determining what's on the cockpit voice recorder and the uh, the instrument recorder, et cetera. But they haven't figured out. They haven't said what is the problem. Could be something totally unrelated to the crash of that Lion Air jet in Indonesia. Could be. Stocks down about 7%. Yeah. So uh, we shall see. I guess this is the first crash in Africa in a couple of years. Um, if you, th- I, I never thought of this, but uh, they were talking about how uh, African air travel in the last couple of years has made incredible leaps and bounds when it comes to safety, security at the airports, etc. And this was the first time in a couple of years that they've had a problem after a couple of great years in terms of success and just making the system that much more secure. So, Unfortunately, we have an R. Kelly update to tell you about. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Time for another gas news and brews. We are going to be headed out to Old Stunt Brewing Company in Pomona on Friday. So make whatever arrangements you need to make to be there. Did you see those cool things that we're going to be taking out there? Oh, yeah. Those are awesome. That was a surprise. Yeah, I didn't know that that was happening, but there are some, uh, wow, to, to put it generically, there are marketing materials. Is that a way to put it? I don't know how the what word I would use. Swag? I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, don't say swag. Uh, just stuff. There's, like, there's cool stuff. stuff. Cool stuff. Some cool stuff that will be taken out there that will be uh, given out to some people. So come on out. It is Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomoda this Friday, March 15th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Old Stump Brewing, of course, right there on Metropolitan Place in Pomona. Again, doing the show live Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. This story would be comical if it didn't involve R. Kelly sexually abusing girls. Hey, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> like, I wish that there were, I wish the dirty, nasty, you know, rape thing was out of it so yeah. that there could be something funny to it. But you can't take, you can't separate them. So, so there's this guy in New York. His name's Dennis. He works as an assistant at a nursing home. His name's Gary. Gary Dennis. Oh. Okay, two first names, that's fine. You're not going to make a joke about the two names? Me and the guy who made the cake for me? (gasps) (laughs) I love it when the worlds collide. (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, this guy, Gary, is an assistant at a nursing home. So that's like a pretty chill life, right? Not a lot going on. Right. So he's cleaning out a box of old VHS tapes. Like, just so you know, a VHS tape uh, is is a, is a little tape that has metallic material on it. And when you record something, we used to use them around here a lot, um, but smaller tapes just for audio. You could also record video on these VHS tapes. Huh. You, you had yeah. what was called a camcorder. Yeah. You could, you could put those in and, the, like, you'd stick a whole tape into a machine and, uh, and you could play it. Scotch tape? So the guy's we'll cleaning out we'll this box of VHS tapes at his home in Pennsylvania. 
and he finds a VHS tape that has R. Kelly's name on it. Now, Gary says he has never met R. Kelly, doesn't know how the tape came to be in his possession. He thinks that uh, it came from a friend because it also has a sports game on it. So he pops it in and he says, to my shock and surprise, R. Kelly did appear to be on the tape, but not in concert. Mm -mm. Instead, he was sexually abusing underaged African-American girls. Yeah, and the reason that Gary said that he thought that they were underaged is because they didn't appear to be developed. Um, How long did Gary watch this tape for? Unclear. So Gary now is being represented by Gloria Allred, Mm -hmm. who's turned this tape over to law enforcement. (sighs) Who's going through old VHS tapes and popping them in the VCR? Do you have a VCR? VCR? I don't have a VCR. Uh, Actually, Blake, I think there is one in there in that room. There's one to, you know, uh, look up. On the very top, there's a clock in it. It's like they used to use it to control. Oh, well, there used to be one in there where they would control the TV with it, change the channel on the TV. But I don't know. I, and I don't know why, even if you thought it was R. Kelly in concert, what is Gary doing? What does he think? Gosh, you know what? I've watched everything in the world that's available to me on every cable channel and streaming service. Gosh, what am I going to watch now? Oh, I know. This random R. Kelly video from 19-something. Furthermore, are there R. Kelly tapes in other old people's VHS libraries? Uh, like, if I went home and started popping in old unmarked VHS tapes? Are you going to find R. Kelly? Yeah. I'm not. I don't even think I have videos of my kids. That's how horrible I am at keeping those types of things. I'm sure your wife kept videos of your kids. I don't think so. <laughs> You're killing me, man! Now, in this case, he has been, uh, R. Kelly, of course, has been accused multiple times of sex with young girls, at least in the rumor mill. He was acquitted on child pornography charges back in 2008 when another tape came out that prosecutors said showed him having sex with a girl who may have been as young as 13 years old. Tapes are all over the place. I guess. I guess. And what, I want to know more importantly, what was the game that this guy was going to be watching? Or right, like a 1987, you know, what, what was it? Was it a NFC championship game from, from yesteryear? Know. And he says, he says he never, like you said, was never a fan of R. Kelly, uh, that he got it from a friend and his friend probably had it somewhere. But if you watched the show Surviving R. Kelly, there were people talking about how these tapes were simply available on the street. You could walk up to a newsstand and buy R. Kelly sex tapes. Oh, God. So somewhere throughout the greater Chicago area, I'm sure there are plenty of these tapes still sitting around. Gross. Speaking of Chicago, Jesse Smollett is back in the news. And we'll talk about the lawyer for the Nigerian twins who supposedly were part of this. Lawyer says that Juzzy took advantage of these two guys. The Nigerian twins. <laughs> I love the characters. Gary and Janet will continue in just a moment.
and Shannon. Apparently, there's been some shocking 911 calls from employees inside Amazon warehouses or people threatening suicide. I believe the quote was, this place is a colony of hell. <laughs> colony of hell. I feel like I know that place. I do. Um, the United Nations Secretary General said that there were at least 21 U.N. staffers who died in that Ethiopian airplanes crash yesterday along with an undetermined number of people who had been working closely with the U.N. That may explain, we were talking earlier, how many different countries were represented. Yeah. So, uh, but just a sad story. We'll keep an eye on this story because Boeing, like we were saying, is down 7%. Boeing stock is down 7% as they deal with this. Boeing is saying they're not quite sure if, in fact, it has something to do with the Boeing 737 MAX 8 airplanes. But this is similar to a crash just last year. A lion air crash that killed a bunch of people in uh, in Indonesia as well. Well, though, two Nigerian brothers who were roped into that Jussie Smollett fake hate crime mess now have a lawyer. And this lawyer says her clients were taken advantage of by it's Jussie. unfortunately a very ah. complicated. I thought you were done. You just give me, make eye contact when you're done. Okay. I'm done. Oh, it's unfortunately a very complicated relationship for them um, because it's it's if you're friends and I'm saying, hey, I'm going to pay you for training. I'm also asking you to do me a favor. Sixteen counts indicted on 16 counts by that grand jury last week. So these brothers are trying to get some of that sweet empire cash. Well, they're at least trying to get the sweet empathy. They're trying to play themselves off as the victims in this case. Now, I I don't think that their punishment should be as severe as whatever Jesse Smollett is about to get handed to him. But you can't be that dumb. And these guys are not dumb. Clear. I mean, they they are entrepreneurs. They're their own businessmen. They're 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 doing things here in terms of hiring this lawyer to just protect themselves when this thing goes uh, goes to trial. But I don't listen. They're they're safe. I don't think they're going to be prosecuted in any way because they're going to testify against Jesse Smollett. I saw somewhere today on social media that he's facing 64 years for lying to two police officers. Now, I haven't been able to validate that, but the headline was this, uh, something to the effect of, does he really deserve this much time? Like, isn't this, uh, it was almost like it was like uh, an unfair sentence or something. Yet again... The justice yeah, right. system coming. That's exactly the connotation that it had. Well, whenever we do that in the media all the time, we take the absolute maximum that's possible for some of these charges and then add them all together and say, well, a judge, you know, if the judge is mean, the judge could put this person away for 64 years. When in all likelihood, he'd get a year in jail, maybe, and then probation for five years or right. something like that. Right. Uh, um, Let's not talk about how the justice system is unfair to Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Can we not do that? <laughs> That's a very good, uh, very good point. I really look at the dynamic between loyalty and someone who was in a position of trust with my clients who really just took advantage of them. Yeah, she, uh, this is Gloria Schmidt, went on to say that the favor that was asked of these guys for Jesse Smollett, he's like, hey, I'm going to be your training client. I'll pay you a lot of money. We'll go through this, but you have to do me a favor. And that favor, of course, was to stage the attack. So um, oddly quiet, hasn't he been? 
I mean, ever since uh, I feel like the there have been a couple of other stories that have obviously bubbled up, but this guy was uh, burning pretty bright there for a while and then just kind of fell off because, in all honesty, he had to be quiet. Whoever his attorneys were told him, hey, keep your head down. Keep your uh, keep your name out of the spotlight. We don't need this. In, we don't need any more trouble than we're already in. Well, because that is what the judge will take into account as well. You know, how sorry are you? How seriously do you take this? Well, and I I wonder if there's a point where he does come out and say, uh, "I'm I did it," and then you know, I think that's his only the- pathway back is if he does that. And then explains why, well, why he needed attention. That insert badly. name of uh, I felt horrible about something here, whether it's an addiction, it's a problem he's had for a long time, uh, memory, suppressed memories that perhaps just came out for the first time, or fatigue. Fatigue is always a strong one. You could cheat, you could blame a lot of stuff on fatigue, like uh, how tired you are today. I'm just saying you've yawned like four times. I probably shouldn't have gone to New York for the weekend. For the weekend? On daylight savings time. <laughs> it probably wasn't the, the best You've idea. You've not done that travel math? If you're flying or driving for an hour, you have to stay there for that number of days? No. So if, you go to New, if you fly to New York, it's a five-hour flight, right? Yeah. You've got to stay there for five days. I think a, probably like an extended weekend like what you did was prob- would probably have made more sense. Well, and, and I'm... I'm fine because I only, you know, flew for two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah, you're bright so, and bushy-tailed. Man, I'm ready to go. You look like you've just spent a weekend with your buddies in a cabin in rural Oklahoma. Yeah, and surrounded by? Nobody's wearing pants. Freedom. No, everybody wore pants oh. most of the time. <laughs> uh, but surrounded by freedom. By America. Surrounded by open carry laws. You got a great big cup of America, didn't you? I did have I did have barbecue, if that's what you're asking. I think that's what you're asking. Ah, uh, good times. And then a giant salad last night when I got home. I wonder how many nine one one. Yeah, I bet. Huh? I wonder how many nine one one calls this place has put out. Like people who work here. Yeah. I can think of a half a dozen, but no more than that, probably. And none of them were from me. Emergency workers were called to Amazon warehouses quite a bit over the past handful of years. We'll tell you why. Gary and Channel will continue. Amy Kingsnake. I'm gonna, in the oh, I'm going to get a Diet Coke. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Amy, just if you have thoughts that just randomly pop in your head, make sure that your mic is on when okay. you say them, like All Shannon right. does. I think that's a good rule of thumb. These Can you get me a cute. Diet Coke, too? Yeah. You got it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Shannon, Calm Air, which is the operator of British Airways and Kalulu, Kalula Flights in South Africa, says it has grounded its Boeing 737 MAX 8 while it consults with Boeing. They're not saying how many planes are affected, but some other, some other countries are doing the same. Grounding those Boeing 737 MAX 8 planes after the second fatal crash in four months involving this this equipment. 
After the uh, top of the hour, we're going to update you on that local story as well. Investigators identified that girl whose body was found in a duffel bag along the horse trail. A couple of people have been detained in connection with that case. Trinity Love Jones said that the death was clearly a homicide. We'll talk more about that right after the top of the hour. The president, by the way, is insisting that he did not slip up when he referred to Tim Cook as Tim Apple last week. Did you hear this audio? Yeah. I mean, he clearly calls him Tim Apple. What do you... And Trump tweeted, apparently, that he referred to Cook as Tim Apple because it was an easy way to save time and words. So his brain is working on a level that you don't quite understand. We're skipping words now in the... Uh, in. To save time. Find me. All right. Amazon. We've, we've talked before about how. Amazon calls suicide. Amazon 911. Death, mental health. <laughs> you guys just don't understand. We're just, <laughs> we're just saving words now. Uh, we've talked before about the complaints that people who work for Amazon have about the warehouses specifically. Uh, an investigation from the Daily Beast found that emergency workers had been summoned to Amazon warehouses at least 189 times for suicide attempts, suicidal thoughts, and other mental health episodes over a five-year period. These suicide threats are detailed. Detailed. Some of them talk about overdosing. Some of them talk about cutting themselves with box cutters. In one case... Uh, a woman in Kentucky had threatened to stab herself in the stomach. While she was pregnant. Good Lord. Now, but here's, if you do the math on this. It's not it's, that many. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're talking about the 46 different fulfillment centers around the United States. These are not small buildings. So there's a large number of people just in general. So what would that same population have in terms of suicidal thoughts mental health issues, et cetera, if they were not in the context of an Amazon fulfillment center. Does that make sense? I mean, if there's, if you figure there's, a, I don't know, 100 people in every Amazon fulfillment center, you're talking about 4,000 people over the course of five years. There's got to be a number in there somewhere of normal, everyday health, mental health-related issues that prompt a 911 call. Yeah, that, but that being are, said, the, the suicide ones are just crazy. I mean, I don't think anybody's called nine one one from here to say I'm going to kill myself with a box cutter. Maybe. Well, they talk about the pressure working at Amazon. They say it's like an isolating colony of hell that we're treated like robots. Jane Crouch is an Amazon employee that worked at the Lakeland, Florida warehouse. And she said people having breakdowns is a regular occurrence. It's mentally taxing to do the same task super fast for 10-hour shifts. Do you know who's uh, playing the world's smallest violin right now? Anybody over the age of 50 who's had a crappy-ass job. I worked in a kennel, dog kennel. was probably the worst job and the best job I ever had at the same time. Where for the first four hours of the day, I did nothing but clean dog poop out of kennels. N- that's it. Nothing. And I had to do it fast because if it wasn't done by 11 o'clock, I was in trouble in the you know first thing in the morning. Now, it's not a 10-hour shift, but I don't understand how that immediately translates to it's Amazon's fault that the job is not glorious. 
there's a suggestion here that for some reason Amazon knows the quality, uh, knows the uh, the conditions in their uh, facilities are like this and isn't doing anything about it. But if you're applying for a job at an Amazon fulfillment center, what are you expecting? Well, then there's the toilet issue. Um, there is a toilet issue at one of these one of these warehouses over in the UK, and they say that some of the 1,200 workers there have to walk 10 minutes, a quarter of a mile, to get to the toilets. And that some people were making sure that, that they weren't eating or drinking so that they wouldn't need the toilets. <laughs> or that they were peeing in Gatorade bottles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a matter of getting... That, I would agree, is the, the company can fix that issue. They can add bathrooms or bigger Gatorade bottles. I'm, I don't know. But the idea that you're going to go into a place like an Amazon fulfillment center and realize, you know what, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Or, I mean, then, they, then leave the job. Here's this one. Um, uh, Jonathan Forrest, 36-year-old guy, committed suicide while working for Amazon. He was excited to start his new position as a picker at Amazon and he ranked number eight out of 100 pickers, whose job it was to place items in bins. And his dad said after a few months on the job, Jonathan started to hate his position and began making suicidal comments in the summer of 2017, right? The assumption being it's Amazon's fault that this guy started feeling crappy. Wait a minute, actually. Jonathan qualified for medical leave, sought out help from a psychiatrist who diagnosed him bipolar and prescribed medication. This guy had underlying issues anyway. And then went to work in a crappy position, a crappy job that he didn't like and ended up committing suicide. I don't know if you lay that at the feet of Amazon, though. The bathroom I, thing, I, yes. I, what I'm hearing from you is a lot of apologizing for Amazon because you like those boxes delivered right to your door. If I don't get it in 24 hours. What's the point? Just, just yeah, forget whatever. Like why you even have it? Ugh, you don't need that. You need to wait for that. You can't have it now. Screw it. Okay. Let me just be clear. I've literally seen you order things one day here on the show and have them delivered. Okay, 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 okay. We're telling secrets now? Gary and Shannon, a little bit later in the show, we're going to revisit the uh, story about that Boeing 737 MAX 8 that crashed in Ethiopia, killing all on board. We'll talk more about what this means for the plane maker, about other airlines that have decided that they're going to uh, ground the airplanes. Although none of the uh, American airlines, not just American, but airlines in America, nobody has decided to ground their fleet of 737 MAX 8s. We told you last week that terrible story about the young girl found dead inside a duffel bag off a trail in the Hacienda Heights area. Andrew Mullenbeck is covering this story and joins us now with an update. Andrew. Hey, good morning. Officials now have identified who this girl was. She was nine-year-old Trinity Love Jones. We don't know a whole lot more about her other than that she is from L.A. County, but officials have not said where within L.A. County 
uh, she was from. And again, remember when we were talking last week, this was kind of a nationwide effort to be able to identify this girl. Originally, the parameters were that she was somewhere between 8 and 13 years old. Of course, this falls within that, that she was 9. But at the time, there was no idea where she was from. But we now have learned that they believe that she's from L.A. County. Another thing that's developed in the last uh, 24 hours or so is that two people have been detained. We, again, have not learned a whole lot about those detentions, whether officials believe they are indeed connected directly to the killing or if they just might have some information. But two people have been detained. And one other note on that, the coroner's office is now calling this a homicide. Uh, I read a quote from someone that said that they had tips come in from around the country. That that seems pretty crazy that you would have a a case as localized as this, but that you'd have tips from uh, hundreds of miles away in some cases. I wonder if that's just because there's so many missing girls. Well, and I think the, the nature of this one was just kind of sensational in its own right. When you talk about a young girl who half of whose body is stuffed in a duffel bag, found along a trail in Hacienda Heights. I was just looking on Twitter and news sites across the country. This was getting attention all over the country, local TV, radio station, newspapers. It was all over the country. And investigators said they had more than a 1,000 tips come in in about a week. It was one week ago this morning that the body was found, and officials believe that the body was dumped sometime within 24 hours before then, so just a little more than a week ago. And now they do have at least an age and a name from L.A. County. Another point to follow closely is how she died. Because remember, when we talked last week, the investigators handling this said that they did not observe any signs externally of physical injuries, any sign of trauma. But now the coroner's office is saying that her death is a homicide, but they have not released the cause of death. That will come later. But it's still unclear how she died. Again, investigators first not seeing or saying that they saw any sign of injuries to her body. So uh, we'll have to follow up on these two individuals who have been detained, whether they will indeed be considered suspects or maybe they just have some information. But this girl was from L.A. County, and we know her name is Trinity Love Jones. Now that we know her, do we know anything about family? There was one man saying that he is the girl's father who did a TV interview. And one of the things that I think caught a lot of people's attention was that he apparently just found out about her death by a cell phone call, Uh, perhaps not even aware that she was the one um, who was missing or that uh, she had any connection to the body being found. Uh, That was just a a brief interview uh, that went out uh, speaking with the man saying that he's the girl's father. But other than that, we, we really haven't heard a whole lot of nothing. You would imagine in, in coming days, if, since we have a, a name and an age, that we might hear from school teachers or friends and have a better idea where she grew up, what her family situation is. But so far, we just have those bare bones bits of information about who she was, a, a nine-year-old girl from L.A. County. That's fascinating what the father told uh, KTLA, or I guess what right. he didn't tell KTLA. You know, just saying words can't explain what I'm feeling right now. I just want answers. I just want justice. She was the best, full of character, full of life, full of joy. But then that's it. You know, I, I, I mean, and I, I couldn't even imagine to know what he's going through right now. But There, there was almost an indication, probably deductive reasoning here, but there was an indication that 
he wasn't aware maybe that she'd even been missing for a week. Um, When you heard his comments, it seemed like this was all very fresh to him. We don't know the situation, how close he was to his daughter, but it didn't seem like he'd been kind of worried for a week that he hadn't heard from his daughter or something like that, but that he had a call and finding out that she was the one who had been found dead. But, yeah, more to follow on that as well. That was an odd thing that there would be a body of a girl that age and no one reporting that anybody was missing. And that's what... Yeah, that's what got to detectives and, and maybe some speculation that she wasn't from the area because uh, they had spent uh, a week looking into this case and they didn't have any idea who she was because they went through all the channels of missing person reports and all of that. And even right away, they were able to rule out any connection to a missing girl from Lancaster. So they didn't have any idea uh, from reports coming in, hey, we're looking for a nine-year-old girl or something of that nature. Um, so they really had no idea who she was, and that went on for about a week until uh, late last night, or last night, I should say, uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department finally did put out an identification of who she is and just saying that she's from L.A. County. All right. Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Andrew Mullen back there. And again, um, identified this girl that was found in that duffel bag, identified as Trinity Love Jones, still trying to figure out who killed her. Uh, the sheriff's department says that they have more detectives that are going to be assigned to help out in this investigation, given the information that's out there and the amount of information that's out there. So, Well, did you see or hear Dirty John? This was an L.A. Times investigative report that became a podcast and then a, a movie. Or I guess I should say a show on Netflix. It was like a six or eight episode show. Well, one of the heroes of the story is now uh, gotten to be pretty big deal on Instagram. We'll talk about uh, Tara Newell becoming this Instagram sensation when we come back to the Gary and Shannon Show. Shannon. Hey, it's time for another gas news and brews. We're coming out this Friday to the old stump brewing company in Pomona. Come on down, grab beers, grab some lunch, grab the and grab the show. Enjoy the show, perhaps if you want. You don't have to enjoy grab it. Grab onto Hoffman like that woman in Huntington Beach did. Man, I still have some feelings about that. Got a big handful. She uh she left marks. Did she? Yeah. She had longer fingernails than I expected. Um, the details you need to know Friday, this Friday, March 15th, 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We'll be doing the show live. Old Stump Brewing Company, a metropolitan place there in Pomona. And we have some uh, some merch that uh, has been produced on our behalf. And we thank everybody for that who's uh, working away in the tiny little factories in some foreign country to make this stuff. Neil. Yeah, but I... He's got yes. tiny hands. <laughs> I don't know why I said what? that. I well, because I was thinking of like el- elves, you know, building toys. Yeah. Okay. That's a quite quite a picture. Old Stump Brewing Company this Friday in Pomona for our next news and brews. Dirty John was a podcast. It was kind of in that vein of um, abducted in plain sight, where you're screaming at the screen, or in my case, the radio, because I. I listened to the podcast first. It was like an old VH1 pop-up video where little little red flags kept showing up and nobody could see them but you. Yes. Got it. It was infuriating. Um, But the the woman at the center of it, Deborah Newell, is so lovable that it's 
you're yelling at her. You want her to not be so naive to be able to see what this guy is for what he is, which is a con artist and a sociopath and dangerous and a drug addict and all of these bad things. But at the same time, you know, you want to just give her a hug. And Deborah is the one played by Tammy Taylor, right? Right. By Connie Britton. Got it. Deborah has a couple daughters. And when you watch the show, you want to yell at them too because they're kind of <laughs> like uh, spoiled brats, like spoiled Orange County brats. And she uh, she gives in to them a lot. But they also are lovable in their own right. And Tara Newell is one of the daughters. And spoiler alert, Tara Newell is the one who got into a fight with this bad guy, Dirty John, got into a fight and ended up stabbing him. And he 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 eventually died. She stabbed him 13 times. And this thing was never on my radar. My wife went through and, and uh, uh, listened to the podcast, if I remember correctly, but didn't want to tell me anything about it until I went through and watched it myself. When you listen to the podcast, uh, you can hear the voice of Tara Newell. And she just seems very sweet, um, kind, young. And she's the one, she's probably the most vulnerable of the story, and she's the one that ends up in this deadly stabbing with with this terrible guy in a parking lot. Well, so the stabbing itself, which, you know, I I guess it was technically after the mom had broken up with this guy, but it was the fifth marriage that mom was in. This stabbing was considered an act of self-defense. The guy eventually, I think he died a few days after the actual attack or his attack on her that she was then defending herself against. Now she's 27 years old. Now Tara has 17,000 followers on Instagram. And PTSD. Well, and the reason we know that is because her official bio on Instagram, official Instagram of Tara Newell, little heart, only positive vibes, please. And then dog, zombies, country, PTSD, travel, fashion, and at Dirty John Bravo. That sums up her personality from what I remember. (laughs) Very much into the zombie shows. Yeah, she said she's a Walking Dead super fan. She says she's a fashion and lifestyle blogger. She always posts little pictures of the outfit that she's in and includes the name of the manufacturer of the clothing or the shoe or the spray tan or the makeup or the this or the that. And how you can get discounts, discounts on her clothing with the discount code DIRTYJOHN20 for 20% off. Oh, wow. She did talk about her struggles with PTSD in a recent post. She shared her top tips and coping mechanisms to relieve her anxiety disorder. She explained that, I'm quoting here, Ever since the attack, I've had to deal with many problems. A couple months after the trauma, my PTSD had gotten so bad that I really had to find some activities to help calm and settle me. These were the things I needed to do in addition to my weekly therapy sessions. Some of the activities I tried, yoga, rock climbing, hiking, massages, warm baths, and photography. Warm bath? Warm bath. Warm bath. Never tried that. You've never had a warm bath? Well, I've I've had a warm bath. You didn't have any baths over the weekend in the cabin? No. No? No. There was, there was, was there no, a hot tub? There was one bathtub. There was a hot tub. Did you guys get into the hot tub and hang out? Yeah. Just bro out? Yes. Okay. And it was frothy. 
I mean, just because when you turn the bubbles on and the bubbles. Uh, I guess I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I mean, she's a public person now, and obviously her story is out there as well. And in a very Orange County way, she's exactly what you would think would be somebody who does a travel fashion country music zombie blog, uh, or at least is known for liking those things. My problem is the Dirty John thing for 20% off of the clothing yeah. that you get. And if anybody, listen, if anybody should own that and have the right to use that, it's she and her mom and her sister. I mean, they're the ones who were victimized by this guy. But that's not weird. This was another one of those stories now that I'm remembering everything that went into this this show, this podcast, this true story. Um, this was one of those things where you think it's bad and you don't realize how much worse it's going to get. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know, keep listening or keep watching because yeah. you think it's you think that it's as bad as as it is, but it's not. Um, she does say she does talk about the therapy sessions. We were just I don't remember what we were talking about last week. Somebody was had suffered PTSD from something that was sort of unexpected. The woman that survived the serial killer. No. Oh. Although that, yes, that yeah, was. That, um, that checks that box, too. You can't ignore PTSD. That's a thing. We've learned that in the last 25 years. It's not something that you just, uh, you know, I'll just deal with it or I'll be quiet or I'll go to a cabin for a weekend and nobody will know. So, listen, you weren't here, but something odd happened. After the the woman came in and she was telling us her story and we spent an hour with her and it was harrowing and terrible. Jennifer Asbinson, author of The Girl in the Treehouse, a memoir. Yes. Um, Blake and I both had terrible nightmares that night. He had a dream that somebody was chasing him with a machete, mm-hmm. and I had a dream I was in a hostage crisis, and and uh, and I had to wrestle a gun away from from the killer. Right. And then I realized in this dream that I didn't know how to use the gun. Do we need to go somewhere? So for then we we're, we're, we went down this hole of like bad dreams and why they're good for you because they put you in these situations that you have to get out of. And then you realize how to get out of them or or in this or case, you realize your shortcoming you, and you, there's a hole that you need to fill there. Right. I need to learn how to go fire a gun is right. what my takeaway was. That's fine. I like I'm in. Let's do it. OK. A couple places here in town. We could do that. OK. OK. Blake, we're going to get that on the calendar, aren't we? OK. Blake will probably bring some guns. That was nice in Oklahoma. Did you guys go shooting? No, we had the opportunity to. Um, but you didn't want to leave that hot tub, did you? That wasn't what you prevented us from doing it. It was, it was a lack of knowledge about the local gendarme, perhaps. We weren't quite sure if somebody was going to call if they heard a bunch of guys out shooting in the woods. Did you tell uh, Trooper Ford about those plans? or? Uh... No, I was not in the car that had the weapon in it. How's that? What? Hmm? And open carry, guys, we don't know what open carry means in California. That's not a... means guns on hips, buddy. You're damn right it does. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's just a nice... It's, it's, Was it a polite society? Very polite. Very polite. Very polite. You have to recount the cheese story. Well, they don't make cheese in, in Oklahoma. Or I should say, I shouldn't say they don't make cheese. They have one kind of cheese. And when you order a cheese and bacon omelet from the Shady Oaks restaurant, not a not a convalescent hospital, 
Shady Oaks restaurant, and you order the cheese omelet, and you say, can I get cheddar on that? And she leans in and goes, I'm sorry, hon. Cheddar cheese? We have cheese. Then I'll take that. I'll take the cheese. <laughs> I'll take the cheese. Cheese would be fine. It's good. All right. What is this co-living crap? Why do we have to relabel everything all the time to make people feel better about what it is? It's just a roommate. You have roommates. Blake has roommates. Well, that's... I have roommates. You have room. Everyone's got roommates now. Co-living. That's not a group co-living. house scene. I think co-living does some make my situation sound better, doesn't it? Isn't co-living <laughs> like uh, what was that show, The Real World? Yeah. Where you just put like eight people in a house, like yeah. Big Brother. True stories. Yes, Real World. I loved Puck. Nobody loved Puck. I'm the only one. Figures. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. More about co-living. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along, just to make it through. When all you gotta keep is strong, move along, move along, like I know you do. And even when Gary and Shannon, coming up in about an hour, we will go... Into all things Washington with Swamp Watch. We've got Trump weighing in on daylight saving time. He's signing Bibles. He's shortening sentences in the interest of time. He's taking words out. We go back to that one you said he's signing a Bible now? Oh, yeah. You missed it. You were not here. But while you were in a hot tub in Oklahoma with your buddies, the president was in Alabama signing Bibles. I didn't know that was a thing. I no, we didn't know either. I had to ask Blake, the official man of God on the show, right, uh, if that's a thing. Nearly a man of the cloth, even. Right, man of the cloth. Right. So, what was Blake's? Uh, he was, said it's not a thing. You know, you don't yeah, get not your, a thing. Well, in the front page, there's usually like this Bible is presented to Blake from from right grandpa. Of which, of which I have one of those because okay. I got one when I was uh, the ring bearer in a wedding when I was five. That's very nice. Yeah, there you go. but but it, but it was signed by somebody. Yeah, it was like you know, love Kim and Steve. Thanks for being part of the wedding. Yeah, um, but that's a Are little they still different. together. No. <gasps> oh my gosh, you have a bad track record. Is that the only other uh, the only wedding you've done? I've been in a few weddings. And, I was at my brother's wedding. I was at my sister's wedding. And they're all together. Yeah, they're together. I was with. I was at my other my buddy's wedding. He's. They're still together. They so, got two kids. Okay. You know, this yeah. one, it's that that one has a long story. It's not my. It's not on me. I was five. <laughs> but their daughter, who was three, thought we got married. So that was a fun childhood for oh, me. Oh, that's cute. That's great. Is that the one that keeps calling you? <laughs> um. This. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. Uh, so there is a, I was just looking at Bungalow, the L.A. listings that we have for Bungalow. And if you're interested, there are a couple of places that you can live in L.A. with complete flipping strangers. Uh, Culver City, West Side, down in the Palisades, all, all through like Hollywood, lower Beverly Hills. If you want to call it that? They say that co-living is growing like wildfire. That the concept and its rise is due to a number of, of, of trends. Uh, number one, high rent. Number two, housing shortage. Okay. 
And then it says this, and I don't really understand. The comfort with strangers engendered by Airbnb. Okay. How now does that's... Airbnb make me feel more comfortable with strangers? Have you ever gone to someone's house? Yeah, but they're not there. Duh. Well, hold on. There are plenty where you have to actually be there when they're there. There are plenty. plenty. So we're going to Nashville in a couple of weeks, and I had to find one where no one would be around. Because there's plenty. It's like, hey, we have a room. Oh, it's I've totally never done that. It's private, yeah. but it's a room in my house. Okay. And I still have to go live my life. It's just you get to use my oh, room. Oh, I've never done that. That would not be something I would be interested in. But there are a lot of people who do it. We have some friends who actually have been doing it for a couple of years now. And it's people who come in for a weekend, come in for four days, whatever it is, and then they go. Like, I I don't know how, but it works. People are much more comfortable with strangers than I would be. Let me back you up a couple couple here. Uh, So you don't want to go to Nashville with your wife and stay in someone's house? No. Okay. I want to go to Nashville with my wife. Right. Yeah, that's the us to that part. But I'd rather find an apartment or someplace where I'm not going to. That's nice to... of you. You're a good husband. Thank you. You did good. I, thank you. Would yeah. you please text her and tell her that? Um, yeah, I, uh, I I remember the first time that I lived on my own without, you know, after college or whatever. And it was it was so nice. I, I always liked my roommates, but. It was just so freeing and nice, and I thought, I will never have a roommate again. <laughs> <laughs> that is a weird um, that is a weird mentality, I think, that, that people have. I mean, the other thing that they talk about here is that there's a millennial interest in experiences over possessions. They'd rather be, a, you know, they'd live in an apartment with four complete strangers so that they could you know, test out the latest kombucha lab at some point down on Sunset. That sounds... Totally fine. Like, that, if you, it's your money. You do what you want. I hope there's more than one bathroom. But you... Uh, co-living and co-working startups drew $6.5 billion in venture backing from 2016 to 2018. And Bungalow itself, the one I mentioned first, Bungalow operates more than 300 homes with more than 1,300 residents in 10 cities, $14 million in investor funding, plus $50 million line of credit. So you can own one of these places and rent private bedrooms where everybody shares the kitchen, the living room, the dining room, um, super great high-end furnishings. I mean, the pictures on some of these look like they belong in real estate magazines. I mean, clearly the kitchen is redone. That's a brand-new floor, that sort of thing. So you're going to encourage people to get in there. You've got uh, two rooms available, each room $1,350. This one says it's Central L.A. There's another one, a spacious private studio uh, that is available for $1,741, located in the back of a recently remodeled Central Hollywood home. I'd love to hear some nightmare situations from people. I'm sure there are. There have got to be, there've right? There have got to be. Even if it's a small percentage, there's going to be some nightmare stories that come out of this. Uh, a bungalow will pay a property owner market rate or a little bit less. It does guarantee stability for two or three years. It eliminates the need to hire a property manager. It would handle all the repairs during the tenure, and that makes it a good deal for you if you own it. You own the property. Plus, we've been seeing, we've done stories before, um, and our friend Justin Warshum, who comes in on Thursdays, is now dipping into the real estate world. And he's talked about all of these mother-in-law quarters that are being put up in different places around the valley and around Southern California. And this is a great 
uh, extension of that. This is probably a great way to make money on that before grandma or grandpa has to live with you. You have enough space for grandma or grandpa if you, if you needed it. But no. I, don't, I but I don't need it. Uh, no, but I'm just saying, you know, you wouldn't have to build another structure. I was just planning. Oh, you're planning to come over? I mean, I don't know. You guys are welcome to come over anytime. So this was the first headline I saw this morning. Jose Canseco accuses Alex Rodriguez of cheating on Jennifer Lopez, challenges him to fight. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, nope, I'm not leaving the house. (sighs) If this is what's out there for me today, I'm not leaving. This is a great headline from about the year 2004, yes. maybe. Yes, agree. But for some reason, everyone's getting a little long in the tooth, and they think they still matter. Anyway. All right. We'll Jose Canseco that. is relevant once again when we return. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. You know Gary and Shannon. Well, Swamp Watch comes up at 1230. We will be talking about all things Washington, D.C. President's explanation for Tim Apple. Uh, and it just makes perfect sense. Or as the president might say, perfect. Uh, also, we'll talk about the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the most popular Freshman members of Congress in the history of Congress is saying things like capitalism is irredeemable and the New Deal was racist. So she's got a shot at hell. Jose Canseco. Kids, if you've never gone down this Google hole, mm. it is worth it. This this man is is he's just really the gift that has continued giving ever since the the 80s and now into 2019. Since the 80s. What a piece of work Jose Canseco has always been. I just went down his uh, run-ins with the law. Yeah. There are many. Or maybe that's a large file. Jose Canseco was considered probably, I think I think he's self-described as like the godfather of the steroid era in baseball. He really rubbed people the wrong way. Uh no more so than when he put out his book, Juiced, and rolled on everybody. Not only did he talk about his steroid use, but he talked about the prevalence of steroids in baseball. He named names. He named trainers. He named players. I mean, it was just an ultimate betrayal of, of everybody else in Major League Baseball and the game. Yeah, and and was that was that character that was either blamed or credited, depending on how you want to look at it, for, I guess, the eventual cleanup yeah. of baseball? Well, I mean, it, massive it led to the changes. congressional hearings on the matter. Yeah, when Rafael Palmero said, I never knowing yes. he took steroids. I mean, I, I mean it, it, it blew the whole thing open. Well, for some reason, he feels like he's going to save Jennifer Lopez from Alex Rodriguez. I did look. I, I did the quick research. I couldn't remember if they were ever on the same team at the same time. From what I determined, the answer is no. However, they were both in the American League forever. So they got to see each other all the time. And two very high-profile guys. Canseco was much more high-profile before A-Rod got in the league, but they shared some of the spotlight for some of the time. Um, But the idea that 
Alex Rodriguez announced his engagement to Jennifer Lopez over the weekend. And so Canseco turns to Twitter and says this, watching World of Dance, watching J-Lo text A-Rod, little does she know that he is cheating on her with my ex-wife Jessica. Poor girl, she has no idea who he really is. He, he claims he was with his ex-wife a few months ago when A-Rod called her on the phone. He tweets, Alex Rodriguez, stopping a piece of S, stop cheating on Jennifer Lopez, and then challenged him to an MMA fight. A boxing match then, or an MMA fight? He's not done. Oh. He also offered to take a polygraph test to prove that he's not lying about these allegations. Wow. Now, I didn't realize that they went back. They They... This history between the two of these guys goes on for some time because he first accused uh, Alex Rodriguez of having an affair with his ex back in 2008. And that he told that Canseco told the media, I'm pretty sure of this whole thing. And then later doubled down on the allegations in a second book that he put out called Vindicated. Now, Canseco and his wife haven't been married since 2001. And... This will, when you think about it, this will be J-Lo's fourth husband? Well, you know. No. No? No. Sometimes your picker doesn't work correctly. But you keep picking. Maybe she's got it right this time. Well, she was married to uh, that backup dancer, right? Right. That was the first marriage. I think there were two dancers. Ben Affleck. And there's that guy. Mark Anthony. Okay. He sings. Um, and now we'll be, uh, we'll be Alex Rodriguez. I just feel like there's a point where you got to give up. Some, not everybody's as lucky as, as you were. Clearly. You know? Ojai, I'm sorry. Ojai, Ojani Noah, was, they, they were married for a year. Chris Judd was the other one. That's what you're thinking of. Oh. She never married Ben Affleck, but she did marry Mark Anthony. And now they're engaged. She was married to Mark for 10 years. Yep. Long time. In fact, they are the, he is the father of her two kids, right? Yes. I think so. Uh, so. Hey, I have an odd baseball story to tell you since we're kind of talking about baseball in a sordid way. I am listening. Did you hear what happened to Joe Kelly, the Dodgers' new pitcher? No. So he just signed a three-year, $25 million deal with the Dodgers in the offseason. Right. And he got hurt. And they're saying it's the strangest injury of the year. That's not true. Uh, well, I mean, there are a lot of strange baseball injuries, but. It's a back injury that he suffered from doing five hours of prepping a crawfish boil for a team dinner. Dave Roberts said it, it wasn't pitching that hurt him. It was cooking, standing a little too long. He said that's one of the more unique ones. The message is. No. We got to keep them away from the stove. We'll keep them away from the jambalaya. <laughs> so how long is he going to be out? Three days. He missed three days. Uh, was, wasn't was Clayton Kershaw today supposed to yes. fall off the mound for and the first he, time? And he, I just saw somebody tweeting about it. It, it went well. He so we threw uh, 15 pitches off the mound like late last week, according to Vasse. What does that guy know? Yeah, what what the hell does Vasse know? Yeah, why, why do you even listen to that guy? I really. What is he there? What is he like following the team? <laughs> I 
All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to get into all of our trending stories, see what's going on in terms of social media stories that have been sold, uh, that have been followed, et cetera. And then that story about the Arizona Zoo and their reaction to the woman who jumped into the Jaguar cage. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw threw a 20-pitch bullpen session, all fastballs with velocity, appeared comfortable. Good. Good for him. I mean, I don't wish the worst for anybody, but uh, good for him. He's on the he's on the downhill slide anyway. Well, we'll see. Yes, we will. Gary Channel will continue in just a moment. This party at Mar-a-Lago on Friday, I guess the president had invited uh, RNC donors to Mar-a-Lago, and then guests were made to put their phones in magnetized pouches, like so that they couldn't record anything or, or take pictures, and then apparently he went off on like a bizarre tangent talking about how uh, Democrats hate Jewish people. And he made some blackface jokes. Wow. Apparently. Wow. That's, uh... <laughs> so what happens in Mar-a-Lago stays at Mar-a-Lago. Yes. Until someone takes to Twitter and blows the lid off the whole thing. Uh, all right. Bottom of this hour, we'll get into Swamp Watch, talk about all kinds of stuff that's going on in, uh, in Washington, D.C. Next hour, we're going to check in with Alex Stone, who is also covering this story about the airlines in the United States and their reaction to the crash of that Boeing 737 MAX 8 over the uh, weekend in Africa. Because there are some regulators around the world who have decided that they will be grounding the fleet of 737 MAX 8s, relatively new plane. In fact, this specific plane that crashed was only four months old. So uh, they did find the black boxes. They're trying to get information from those. And hopefully over the next couple of days, we'll have a better idea of what brought that plane down. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. We, uh, that, that is the story that is trending the most right now. The Ethiopian Airlines uh, crashed 737, took off just after, I guess it was 8 o'clock in the morning from Addis Ababa on its way to Nairobi. They were just six minutes into the flight when they crashed. This is the same type of crash we saw fewer than five months ago when the Lion Air flight crashed near Indonesia. Yeah, similar thing in that it was right after takeoff. It was a few minutes in. The pilots reported similar problems right before they lost contact and then hit the ground. There were a couple of reports that I saw that said the there was an intense fire as the aircraft hit the ground. And I... It was described in different ways. I don't know if this is a translation thing one way or the other, but there were some that said that the plane itself had smoke coming out of it before it hit, which would be potentially different than the crash of Lion Air, which did not have any sort of fire associated with it. The U.N., by the way, says at least 21 U.N. staff members died in this crash. As we talked about earlier, 35 countries represented on board and now we know 21 staff members died, along with an uh, undetermined number, they say, of people who had worked closely with the U.N. 
This is, by the way, the best-selling airplane, I think, in the history of airplanes is what they said. Uh, 4,600 of these planes have been on order by Boeing. There's only a, a handful of hundred of them in the air right now, but that these uh, there are a whole lot that Boeing is still going to be producing for the, other airlines. The fact that there could be a bug is terrifying because it doesn't seem like pilots are able to override whatever the, the technical issue is. Well, Milwaukee is where the Democrats will host their 2020 national convention. Uh. This When I saw this today, it made me wish that Hillary Clinton gets in this race. Why? Because she didn't sit, spend one damn day in Wisconsin uh, in 2016. Right. And th- she thought it was in the bag because it had been a very long time since any Republican had taken Wisconsin. She took it for granted. So there's this is, of course, a giant... Uh, I'm sorry card. Here's a bouquet of roses and a pound of chocolates. I wonder what kind of trouble we can manage to get into in Milwaukee. Oh, are you kidding? The digestive issues alone? A lot the, of meats. I, I, the a meats, lot of meats, a lot of cheeses, cheeses, a lot of brewskis. Man, I feel like I should apologize right now to my bowels. <laughs> There's no guarantee that they would even let us go back to the... Uh, Why the wouldn't they? Who's they? Who's the they? You mean our bosses? Yeah, the people who have to pay for the trip. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant like the, the RNC yeah, and the, the DNC, Democratic like, National Committee. Like, like, yeah, like, we're not ah, having them back. Uh, cocaine is the in way the they news. treated Anthony Weiner. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> cocaine has made a comeback, everybody. This is the biggest Coke bust in 25 years at the port of uh, New York here. Seized at a New Jersey port. $77 million worth of blow. 3,200 pounds. Wow. The second largest uh, for cocaine, the biggest since May of 94. Customs and Border Patrol was working with the Coast Guard, Homeland Security, DEA, NYPD, New York State Police. It's funny. I just, it seems like we're doing a whole lot of cocaine stories lately. Well, it's back. Why? I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen any. I mean, I don't know if it's back. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you've been very quiet about what exactly happened over the weekend. Well, I've it been just—I I mean, it just so happens that I was there when they did this coke bus. Really? I did not even remember that you said that you were in New York. <laughs> what are you alleging? You were in a hot tub with your buddies. Not all of them. That's weird. Five of them. No, no. No one was – there was never a point where there was maximum beef in the hot tub. Not one point. Can you never, ever say maximum beef again? Sure. Thank you. Um, a woman in Richmond, Virginia, has won the lottery 30 times on one day. She purchased, she purchased 30 pick-four tickets, and all of them had the number of 1031. So she takes home – 150 grand. That's I'm going to leave this story right uh right at the right at the entrance of Conway's office cuz it's these kind of <laughs> stories that keep his hope alive and get him further into a world of degeneration. Degeneration. Uh Justin Bieber is trending. He's asking for your help. He's been struggling a lot. Why do you not have any sympathy for Justin Bieber? I what are you talking about? I don't It's not that I don't have uh, it's not that I don't have sympathy for him. I don't. 
I just don't like the idea that you're going to you're going to ask your fans to feel sorry for you because you've been struggling. Mental illness does not discriminate, Hoff. No, no, and it's not Listen. Just because he has everything doesn't mean that he's completely happy and stable in the head space. Let's assume that you were an emotional creature. Me? Yes. Okay. And you had some particular issue that had been dogging you for months. Uh, an addiction, an eating disorder, a uh, feelings of depression, whatever it was. Would you come in here and would you say, uh, you know what, we're going to do a segment on... Me telling people my deepest, darkest secrets, and I want everybody to f- to feel something for me. Or you go to a close friend, uh, close. This is how they talk. The- this this is how the kids do that now. Everything is public. All conversations, everything. It's all posted. It's all public, and that's where we're at. I just think crowdsourcing a mental diagnosis is not a great idea. Yeah, is that your stomach still? I'm sorry. I swear, I thought you ate something. I know, I'm going to eat. Nick, can we get a solid food in here just real quick, just to throw down her maw so that her stomach stops yelling at us? <laughs> and then finally, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, she's trending as well. She has opened up about being the CEO of Goop. Great. That's all I've been waiting for. She sat down with Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show. She said, I never said that I'm quitting acting. She's continued to, of course, revive her role as Pepper Potts, but says, I think that's going to end. And that's really all that she's been doing for the last couple of years. She says, what I what I say is Goop is my full time passion. Being the founder and CEO of Goop is what I do all day, every day. So we're stuck with this crap for a while. We're stuck with Goop for a long time. That's great. Bring back bring more Pepper Potts into the world. That's what we need. All right, coming up next, the dumbest woman in America lives in Arizona, and she's bleeding, and she wants us to feel sorry for her, and I don't. Did I sum it up? she crowdsourcing her feelings for us now? Or trying to get crowdsourced feelings for herself from us? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640. Snack time. Snack time. <laughs> get out your carpet squares. And so it Gary and Shannon, looks like cops are looking for three or four men, they say, in their 20s, who they say killed a uh, USC student in a robbery attempt near the campus at Maple and Adams. The victim in the case was a student at USC's Thornton School of Music and the son of an Oakland uh, City Councilwoman. I don't get that. Just that it was a in the middle of the night mugging. We do, I still do not, muggings around. Not here. a great area. Uh, the bottom of the hour, we'll get into Swamp Watch next hour. We are uh, approaching the 20th anniversary of the Columbine massacre, and the principal at that high school at the time has come out and said, "I let them down." 13 people died on my watch. I'm fascinated to get into that and and figure out why he's he's in that way of thinking. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a little, it's going to be a tough discussion. We'll do that at 1.30. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, another News and Brews coming up on Friday. We're going to head out to Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomona. Come on out, grab a beer, grab some lunch, whatever it is. Enjoy the show. We have some things we're going to be handing out, giving away. Details you need to know this Friday, March 15th, 
10 a.m. till 2 p.m. doing the show live at Old Stump Brewing Company, Metropolitan Place in Pomona. You know, if you want to, go ahead and check out their menu as well and get your, uh, uh, wet your appetite, shall you, for Friday. Litchfield Park, Arizona is where you will find wildlife, world, zoo, aquarium, and safari park. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? I like the safari park. You like that part? Okay. There was a dumbass woman who was there, (laughs) for lack of a better word, and decided she wanted to take a selfie with a jaguar. So what does she do? She climbs into the enclosure. What do you think the cat does? Smiles. No? Oh, wait. The cat uh, offered to take the picture for her? No. Let's see. The cat playfully swatted at a ball of yarn off in the corner. The jaguar said, what the hell are you doing in my house, woman? Ah. And she was attacked. It was the only thing I saw that I could stick through the cage. And she went and went for it. And then at that point, all I heard was pull, pull. Everyone was saying pull her away from the jaguar's claw. That was, that was a woman who threw a water bottle at the jaguar. <clears throat> and it worked. It distracted him. Oh, my gosh. Her. What are we doing? Why are we climbing into enclosures at the zoo for a selfie with a jaguar? Well, because you can't get a selfie with a jaguar outside the enclosure. Duh. Now, she should have just been left in there. There were plenty of uh, questions for the for the Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park about what are you going to do. Somebody uh, tweeted to the Wildlife Park, Lady got what she deserved, which uh, from what I saw, she had a pretty good... Uh, wound on her uh, on her arm, like her forearm, to the point where it's opened up and you could see the good yellow stuff That's underneath. That's because she climbed into a know, jaguar's I'm house. Saying, I'm saying she didn't get a jaw around her head or something. But th- somebody wrote in, lady got what she deserved. If you put that jaguar down, I'll never go there again. And Wildlife Zoo says she won't be put down, she being the jaguar, not the, the woman that was still up in the air at that point. But they they also tweeted later... We can promise you nothing will happen to our jaguar. She's a wild animal, and there were proper barriers in place to keep our guests safe. It's not a wild animal's fault when barriers are crossed. We still are sending prayers to her and her family. Have we posted this graphic video? Look at all the tattoos this woman has. What does that have to do? She didn't deserve it because of her tattoos. No, it's just a, a, ooh, oh, yeah. You got that armhole? You got that armhole now? Yep. (laughs) That was graphic. They do say that the incident is being fully investigated, but this is clearly not their fault, and it's not the Jaguars' fault. The woman did apparently um, did apologize for everything. She apologized for the incident yesterday, admitted she was wrong for jumping the barrier. She received stitches on her arm. She is recovering well. And the thing is, I, I know a lot of people with a lot of scars from different things, but that is a good party story. Like I, oh, this, this is when I jumped the enclosure at the Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park and the jaguar got me. Did you get any uh, scars this weekend? Yes, these two right here. Oh, what is that from? Do I want to know? It's from. Did that happen in the hot tub? I can't find the bottle opener and I'm going to use tongs to open the bottle of beer. So it got to that level. 
What do you mean? Well, when you uh, start. Let's, how are we going to open the bottle? How about these you know, tongs? It's like, it's like that time that Neil, <laughs> we had a bottle of wine in the office and no opener. So you, you start getting, you know, you have a couple pops. Yeah. You start getting creative. Trust me. And opening, you end up with a carpet full of glass and Chardonnay. I can Blake help you with that, that, Shannon. Yeah. I know how to open a, a bottle without an opener. Lake destroyed Saturday really? morning mm-hmm. to a puddle and a death trap. <laughs> And, and, and somehow Ray is sleeping on the couch still. Uh, no, opening a beer bottle is infinitely more easy than opening a, uh, a wine bottle with no wine, with no corkscrew. Yeah, I'll tell you. We still have that video, I think, on our Instagram page. Check it out. All right, when we come back, Swamp Watch. Everything going on in the uh, political world when we come back. Amy How King. do you not have a bottle opener in a cabin with a bunch of No, we of did. Dudes. I just didn't know where it was. And I wasn't going to go, hey, guys, can't find the bottle opener. So let's use these tongs. That's such a it's fine. It's, I totally got it open. You, it was you're bleeding still. I'm not bleeding you look still. Like you're this an, was... you're, you look like you just got attacked by a jaguar. I think you mean jaguar. No. wants to know if uh, your friends on this trip were your fantasy baseball camp bros or your Blue Angels brothers. Neither. Neither. No, these are a bunch of guys uh, that I used to work with in uh, in Sacramento. So when we were, I'll say this carefully, when we were kids, I guess, because we made this realization that was 20 plus years ago. Wow. And it's weird because I remember that when these guys were having kids, and it was before I even got married that I knew these guys. So then for us to talk about our kids and so-and-so's in college or this guy's out, you know, my son's 19, and they never met him because he wasn't even born when we were together. So this is... Is your heart so full of love? It's fun to catch up with old friends like that. Well, I I don't think I would describe it like that. I would say my cheeks hurt from laughing. Yes. So there. Maybe that's how guys say it. I don't know. All right? Look at you. Trying to have me have emotions now. Drain the swamp. <laughs> We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. Thank you, Blake. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president is a big fan of daylight savings time. He tweeted, making daylight saving time permanent is okay with me. So, I know that he tweets just random stuff. Yes. But this is him as a dude just going, hey, I like daylight saving time. It's not him as a president saying, I would love it if the legislative legislative branch would work on making daylight saving, saving time permanent. I don't understand. Well, California and several other states are considering measures that would end the clock changes. That's what we're spending our time on? Three Republican lawmakers from Florida introduced legislation in Congress this month that would end the fall back November clock change. 
Marco Rubio is behind this. Look at that. I know that it was done at a time when agriculture was yeah. a huge part of our economy. To the fields. Right. Like, you would never have this job. You'd be out. I'd have a basket right here. Yeah. And stronger shoulders. And I'd be picking corn. You'd be out washing your skirting on a, on a washboard mm-hmm. out back of the outhouse. And you would watch your tone. But that's not the case anymore. Oh, I, I would be seen and not heard. Oh, we can pray, can't we? <laughs> um, the, uh, the president also, you're right. Yeah. The president also, uh, this one I saw on Wednesday when he was at the American Workforce Policy Advisory Board. He was talking with a bunch of high-profile, very big business guys. And uh, the guy said right next to him happened to be Tim Cook from Apple. And if you saw the video, it was, I mean, it was silly. If you say enough stuff enough times, you're going to say something stupid. And we have plenty of opportunity to do that on a regular basis right. here, right? We learn that lesson every day. The, the, president also do, the president also speaks a lot. And in some of these busy days, he's got two or three events that are there. And not all of them are, uh, you know, he doesn't like to work on the teleprompter. So he's going to step on his own tongue every once in a while. He referred to Apple CEO Tim Cook as Tim Apple. And then it's fine. I mean, it's 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 fine. And then uh, he kind of got this kind of got in his craw a little bit. He did not like people uh, making fun of this. And he went to defend himself on Twitter and says uh, at a recent roundtable meeting of business executives and long after formally introducing Tim Cook of Apple, I quickly referred to Tim Apple as Tim Apple as an easy way to save time and words. And then wrote, the fake news was disparagingly all over this, and it became yet another bad Trump story. I would disagree with the whole bad Trump story. I would say it makes a guy like that human. I mean, when Barack Obama said something silly like, um, what's the word? When, when Barack Obama said, oh, the, I've been all the- 58 states or something like that. Uh, That's stupid. Know. He knows there's 50 states. But, but it was a stupid thing. And, hey, you finally get this guy to uh, – you get this guy to – <laughs> to uh, say something silly every once in a while, and it's fun to poke fun at a guy and show that he's a little human. And uh, it's it was just a sad... And the thing is, he doesn't realize that people are going to make fun of the response as much as they did the original comment. We made, uh, we made you aware that the president was signing Bibles when he stopped in Alabama at a church for survivors of that tornado outbreak. And like... Like we did here, we went to our religious experts on the program, which is Blake. Uh, The Associated Press did the same thing, and they went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary School of Theology in Louisville, Kentucky, and they talked to the dean there. And he said he didn't have a problem with Trump signing Bibles. Uh, A Bible as a religious text is different than a lot of other religious texts in that uh, it's not the Torah. It's not the Quran. It's not it, the the physical book itself is not what makes the faith the faith. So a lot of people will be very reverent with it. Uh, but there are a lot of other people who will write and take notes and highlight and put post-it notes and sticky I, notes. Oh, yeah. I marked up my Bible pretty, pretty well. Were you taking notes or were you just like graffiti? Well, like, it, it, like graffiti. Like I would doodle in it. 
you? <laughs> I was I was a school child. Okay. <laughs> that makes it even You just went through the whole thing about how it's not the the Quran I know, and I but... can and I can write in it and then I confess to you that I doodled in my Bible, my good confess news Bible. Uh, and you suddenly think I'm I'm going to get struck by lightning. Did you put mustaches on all the pictures? Like there, every all the little characters in there the There weren't pictures. Oh, I thought you said you were a little kid. In my Bible. Oh, really? You were the smart kid then. Uh, I, but this is, it's a different thing. I don't, I was surprised that that became such an issue that, I mean, I don't want him like just re- openly random, opening to a random page oh, with a big yeah. Sharpie. Just <laughs> right. be like, Donald J. Trump. But in the front, like, hey, I hope things go better for you. Tornadoes suck. Love Donald Trump. Something like that. That would be fine. And that would be. Uh, See an you next summer. <laughs> you got to be careful what you write in those yearbooks. That, that uh, could come back to get you. Too cool to be forgotten. Democrats will be meeting in Milwaukee to host their 2020 national convention. They were going to maybe go to Houston or Miami. But they've settled on Milwaukee. I I never thought of this until today. I mean, we've talked before about that the final three places that they were looking for uh, were those three. And they're doing it differently next year than they did in 2016. Both parties had problems with scheduling, and they ended up doing them back-to-back, which was great for us. Was it? No, it was not at all. It was terrible. But next year they're doing, I think the Republicans do late June in North Carolina – and then the Democrats will do August in Will, uh, Milwaukee. So the Republicans are going to do August in oh, okay. Charlotte, You're right? Vice, yeah. vice versa. And then the uh, the Democrats are in July. So we're going to have like a month in between them. Probably better for our digestive tracts. Yes. If we spend a week in Milwaukee, you and already then take a break. You've already. I think your words were break. that you would apologize to your bowels already. For that week, we'll spend in Milwaukee. More political stuff when we come back. Fewer apologies to our body parts. Yeah. (laughs) Swamp Watch will continue on the Gary and Shannon Show. We don't feel like outsiders. Gary and Shannon, top of the hour. We are going to do a quick Market Monday issue. Gap, Tesla, Victoria's Secret, they're all going to be closing thousands of stores. Well, they together, I should say, are going to be closing thousands of stores this year. We'll talk about that, talk about Boeing's day on Wall Street after the crash in Ethiopia. But we've been in the middle of uh, Swamp Watch, talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C. One of the uh, candidates for president on the Democratic side... Kirsten Gillibrand has had a former aide resign in protest of the handling of the sex harassment claims. Oh, no, because yeah. uh, Kirsten is a big Me Too movement champion, isn't yeah, one she? Of, one of the most outspoken when it comes to members of Congress, that's for sure. So apparently the woman who's not been identified filed a sexual harassment complaint last July accusing the aide of making unwelcome advances and crude remarks about other women in the office and potential female hires. Less than three weeks later, the woman said that the man, who has been identified in the report as Abbas Malik, 
retaliated against her for making the complaint. And she told Gillibrand's chief of staff that she was stepping down because of the way they handled it. Yeah, I, you know, this is, I don't think I've ever seen something like this. Bernie Sanders was was sort of handcuffed by this before he officially announced that he was going to run for president. He was uh, criticized for the way that sexual harassment claims, uh, the way the environment that existed in the 2016 campaign. And he was blasted for not having a tighter control over that whole thing. So I wonder if this is going to be, if we're going to see every campaign has something like this attached to it now. We feel like every major A-list star in Hollywood has had something like this come out. So the uh, the, the story about Beto O'Rourke as well, we saw this morning a headline that said that Beto O'Rourke is, still has decided but hasn't announced yet what he's going to do. Oh, for, for the, the love of God. And Just. there's a there's a group that has already put out an anti-Beto commercial in the state of Iowa. The spot shows Beto O'Rourke as a, a politician dripping with white male privilege. White male privilege. Beto O'Rourke. That's the one. Um, charmed life like his, you can never really lose, this says. That's why Beto's running for president, because he can. And again, this is a relatively conservative group using an interesting term like white male privilege to go after uh, to go after Beto O'Rourke. Hmm. Uh, did you see this report in Newsweek about people, uh, elderly Americans, are dying without getting to read Bob Mueller's report and they're upset about it? I'm calling baloney on this. Yes, 100%. Good Lord. And they write this up? So... They talked to a World War II veteran, uh, Mitchell Tendler. This was uh, a man who was, as I said, with World War II, Korean War, Vietnam. And he started feeling ill. He wasn't doing too well. And he said that he's in bed and he's like sitting up halfway and apparently says to, to, to one of his family members, S., I'm not going to see the Mueller report, am I? And that was the last coherent thing he said. I'm calling baloney on that. Like, whose final words or thoughts are, damn, I'd like to read that Russia investigation. Well, I'm ashamed that uh, NPR did this as well. They talked to a 94-year-old guy who's in hospice care in New Jersey and told him the story of Mitchell Tendler and how he felt he was, you know, he's going to die without seeing this thing. And 94-year-old Richard Armstrong says, ugh. I know exactly how he feels. I feel the same way. I've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I was, I was hoping to live to see the outcome of what I think it should be. Justice. I'll be surprised and disappointed if it isn't. Now, hold on a second. What if Bob Mueller comes out and says, yeah, we know there's a bunch of dirtbags around the president, but we don't find any issues of collusion with Donald Trump. And, Rob, and Richard Armstrong just dies right there. Just sees the conclusion and hates it and dies. Listen, uh, I don't know what my final thoughts will be on this planet, on this this mortal coil that we share. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be about Bob Mueller's investigation. I'll tell you that right now. I don't think anybody is saying to themselves, oh, I wish I had spent more time with my family, less time at work. And damn it, I wanted to read that Bob Mueller report. Something pithy, something you could put on my gravestone, something you'll always remember me by. Not... I'm not going to see the Mueller report, am I? (laughs) 
poor guys. And the poor family. I feel like that. the last thing Gramps ever said to me was something about politics. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. He didn't love you enough as a son to say, I'll never forget you or stay strong nope, or take, j- take care of your mom for me. or Just wants to read what Bob Mueller has uh, compiled. It's too bad. Coming up next, Gap, Tesla, Victoria's Secret. A lot of doors closing this year in 2019. We'll get into the details on Gary and Shannon. Guesses. It doesn't take a lot of work to figure that out. I said, who's my, Blake, would you guess, who is my favorite all-time sports hero that you would that you would think of? For you? Yeah, for me. Like this person I would put on a pedestal for the, for the, the things that he did and the person he is. I'll give it that away. It's a man. It's a oh, man. Oh, jeez. Um. I don't know, I'd put like someone like Cal Ripken up. There. Oh, he got, you got it. it on the first Nailed one. It. I said Jackie Robinson first, and which then is Cal. good. That's, that's good. a strong but, choice. But Gary loves work ethic. Yeah, and that's right. exactly what I said. Yeah. To think of someone who's wow. consistent. But that's not how, that's not where I got my son's name. By the way, it wasn't Cal Ripken? Oh, that's right. It was uh, Calvin Coolidge and Calvin Broadus, otherwise known as Oh, the Snoop rapper. Dog. Yeah, the rapper. <laughs> Wait, aren't you going to a Calvin Broadus show I coming am. up? I right. am. Just making sure. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, we've been following we've been following a bunch of uh, stories today. The big ones, of course, include the uh, the airplane crash in Ethiopia, the Boeing seven thirty seven Max eight. There was um, apparently some sort of a safety feature built into this airplane. Whether it's in the computer, I believe that that for some reason pushed the nose down in the event of trouble and. Pilots weren't told about it. There's a there's a big concern now, this being the second 737 MAX 8 crash in five months. And Boeing had come out and said, listen, this doesn't change any of the safety guidelines, any of the programming, any of that in terms of how we are telling pilots to fly our planes. Uh, that, of course, being said, they will go and they've got their own team to go check out the crash site and see if they can figure out exactly what brought this plane down. There are some household names here that uh, are closing their doors this year. Gap, Victoria's Secret, J.C. Penney, Abercrombie & Fitch, all closing stores this year. And it's only March, and they've already closed 4,800 wow. of these retailers. I didn't realize Amazon was, was in and out of this market very quickly, yeah. but they had done a bunch of pop-up shops inside their Whole Foods and they said that they're going to shut down all 87 of the pop-up shops, which, I mean, that's not a huge number. And it's probably a better indicator that Amazon is quick to try something and then quick to pull the plug on it if there's no indication that it's going to work. But some of these other places, like uh, the Victoria's Secret and the Gap and the Tesla and even Abercrombie and Fitch, they've been around for some of these in some of these malls and strip I'm malls. I'm so glad that Abercrombie and Fitch is closing. Um, because it's just weird the way that they put young guys out there without their tops on. You know, the first time I saw that, I didn't think it was real. Not, yeah. I didn't think that guy was real. I thought it was a joke. I think the first time I saw it was when I moved to L.A. and, and I went to the Grove. Yeah. 
And I was like, what's with the 18-year-old boys yeah. without come, their tops on? How come no one's pointing out the fact that that kid's not wearing any clothes? And you're like, don't look, don't look, don't look. <laughs> and the music in that place. And no lighting. No lighting. Well, on today's Gary and Shannon show, the part of Shannon will be played by my mother. <laughs> that rapper. And how can you see in there? You can't even see the clothes. And the smell. What is that? Perfume? It's horrible. <laughs> Lighting. That poor kid didn't even have a shirt on. It's going to catch a cold outside that Abercrombie and Fitch store. Mm-hmm. Gap is planning to shut 230 of their stores over the next two years. Uh, oh, Chico's is closing, too. That Everybody's mother is upset about that. <laughs> Uh, Victoria's Secret is planning to close 53 stores this year. Whatever will you do? Will I do? Yeah. I will not feel as uncomfortable as I do every time I walk into a mall. Um, Like you said, Abercrombie & Fitch. The one I think that surprises me the most is that Tesla. Tesla is going to shift all of its sales online and close most of their stores as a result. It's fine. It makes I mean, sense. But you know, I, I, I think that that is the future in terms of car buying. Well, car buying, but but is it not just car buying? Because it sounds like a lot of these places are losing their brick and mortar uh, foot traffic to people who just want to go online and bar and buy it's it. Exactly toys right. R Us is a great example of that. Nobody I know buys toys anymore at well, can't now, but they in the last several years you didn't buy stuff at Toys R Us. If you went to go look and see what it looked like, that's where you would go. But then when you were looking for a good price or free shipping or something like that, you'd always buy it online. Um, Clothes, I think, are going that way. But I still think there are people who will never buy online simply because you don't get to try things on right away. It's such a pain to take things back. Yeah. That's why I was surprised that uh, Amazon was closing some of their shops inside, for example, Kohl's. Because this Christmas... We had stuff that we got via Amazon. All you had to do was take it back to Kohl's, and they handled everything for you. All the yes, returns, everything. That was great. That was a great. And maybe they do it on a seasonal basis where it's the Amazon holiday store or something like that where they keep it open for the first few weeks of the year or something. But Gymboree, Family Dollar, JCPenney, Payless Shoe Source, we heard about that one a couple of weeks ago. I am not familiar with the Charlotte. Charlotte Roos. Roos. I, I shopped there in my early 20s. I don't really remember it that well. There's one in Torrance, I think. And they said that they're going to be closing 94 stores, only 94. They do have 500 locations around the country. So, but I, the, I don't know of any of these stores saying that they're, or we haven't seen a headline where it's, hey, unusually, so and so retailer is going to expand stores around the country. They're all shrinking. It is time for you to knock off of work early on Friday and come hang out with us for our gas news and brews. We're going to be at Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomona. It's going to be a great time. Come on down, grab a beer, some lunch, enjoy the show. We're going to have prizes Friday, March 15th, 10 to 2. Old Stump Brewing Company. When we come back, Alex Stone's going to join us. We're going to be talking about how American airlines, airlines in America, are responding to the crash of that plane in Africa, and how many of those Boeing 737 MAX 8s are in the air today. Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon. You, an official, says that uh, thousands of people stood in tribute to the victims of the Ethiopian Airlines crash at the opening of an assembly that they did in Nairobi, the UN Environment Program's assembly in Nairobi. Um, a lot of the people who had been traveling to the meeting were the ones who were killed in that plane crash yesterday. Yeah, the assistant secretary general says that there's a lot of grief. That's not just for the U.N. colleagues, but because there have been losses on the side of member state delegations, the civil society community and others as well. Boeing stock, by the way, fell 7% as di- different countries and bodies are, are, are grounding this Boeing 737 MAX 8 plane. Not a whole lot of planes that are this exact model in the air in terms of the United States fleet. I think it's numbers in the dozens. Uh, but that there are hundreds of them who are uh, – hundreds of these planes have been ordered by Boeing. In fact, I think it's up around 4,600 that have been on order for Boeing. Alex Stone is covering the story for us and joins us now. Alex, what has been the response here in the United States? Well, so far, the American carriers say they're going to continue flying them. The, the FAA, the NTSB, they have sent crews over to Ethiopia to try to figure out why this plane went down, if it's linked at all to the, the Lion Air crash back in October. But until there is some connection or some flaw that is found in this aircraft, they say no, that, that there, there are going to be no... Uh, demands to to ground any of the planes. There's not going to be any guidance on what should be done. So in the meantime, Southwest Airlines that has 34 of these MAX 8s in the air right now, American that has 24, United has 14 of the MAX 9s, same plane but but bigger. Uh, They say that they understand that flyers may be nervous getting on them, that they'll work rerouting flyers to get off of these uh, MAX aircraft, but that they don't have any plans to ground them that they believe they are safe aircraft. Did Boeing change anything about its safety procedures after the crash five months ago? Well, they they believe they understand what made the the plane crash, and there has been some training that has been instructed for pilots to learn, and that's really where the American carriers come into it and say they've done the the training that, that needs to be done. United says its pilots are as highly trained as you can be, and they know how to come back from uh, the issue that it's believed made the, the Lion Air plane go down. Southwest Americans saying the same thing. The belief being in that Lion Air incident that it was uh, a faulty sensor that made the plane believe that, that it was about to stall. Now, the MAX aircraft have a feature in them that Earlier 737s did not, and pilots didn't even know was in it until the Lion Air crash, that if it thinks it's going to stall, it puts a nose down into a nose down angle of attack, and then it makes the plane go down to to pick up airspeed. Well, if you've just taken off, that's a problem. You're too close to the ground, and if the plane is already at uh, perfectly fine speed, but it's a faulty sensor that believes it's about to stall, and then you put it into nose down, it can have a, a catastrophic ending like Lion Air did, and like this one, if it's linked to that, that it did as well. Now, United Pilots, American Southwest, if this were to happen to them, they're trained to immediately disengage the autopilot to bring the nose back up and uh, to save that airplane. But whether it be training or it just happens too quickly, 
that at least in Lion Air and whatever this ends up being, that the pilots were unable to, to bring back the plane and to save it. Does it terrify anyone else that there are some pilots that know how to rebound from that and some pilots that <laughs> don't? And there's no, uh, y- you know... Um... You don't get to ask them that when you get on the plane. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the American carriers say they've been training this, they've been to those simulators, uh, that, that they have spent a lot of time on this. And that the the hope is and the belief that worldwide, if they're flying one of these MAX variants of the 737, that all pilots should know this. But again, you know, even if you are trained in it, and yeah, it may be second nature, but you can do it in the simulator as much as you want. But when it happens and you're not expecting it, and it's abrupt and it's in flight, you don't know how the the airplane is going to react, how you're going to react. And did these pilots react appropriately? but they just couldn't save the plane, we don't know yet. And, again, this is a, a relatively new thing, that this is the computer essentially fighting the pilots. The pilots are having to fight the computer that takes over and then crashes the plane. Uh, and, and the belief was that this new system, the, the flight stability system, flight controls, that it would save a plane that was stalling, but you have one sensor that, that misreads data and it can send that nose down in a plane into the ground. Do we have any timeline for when we're going to get information from the black boxes? Well, hopefully pretty quickly. We don't believe Ethiopia has the ability to read these black boxes. So uh, the Brits probably will, but the NTSB is there. They would have to fly it back to Washington, D.C., and then, then read it in D.C. No indication that, that that's going to happen. So it may go to, to London or somewhere in Europe uh, and be read out there, maybe the Ethiopians do have the ability, it's it just not believed that they do, uh, to, to read these out. And that's going to give a lot of information. We know from the initial data from Flight Radar, the, the website, they use a, a different a radio beacon system that shows what the, the plane was doing. That can be somewhat unreliable at lower altitudes. They never got above 1,000 feet. So that shows that their nose and tail were going up and down, up and down, up and down, but they never got above 1,000 feet. That needs to be backed up now with the cockpit data recorder and from ground radar, what the, the air traffic controllers are using, and see if that's really what happened. Add that into the flight, uh, the, the voice recorder, and hearing what the pilots were talking about, all indications are from witnesses that these pilots were fighting this plane. They were nose up, nose down, tilting to the sides. The pilot said he was having problems, needed to come back, and they, they never got the altitude they needed, and, and then they hit the ground. So, you know, there, there are similarities between the two crashes. This plane is only this model, been flying since 2017. This exact plane, only since November. It was a brand-new plane. Something's going on here, but... Are they connected? They need to figure that out. All right, Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there with the latest on this. I like it when they don't know what the problem is. Yeah, that's a a terrifying prospect. But, I mean, the good – if there's good news in this, there are not a lot of these 737 MAX variants in the air today. There's there's a few dozen of them in the United States. A few dozen is – Right, but, I mean, there's 10,000 airplanes in the sky through the course of a day in the United States. I found this yesterday as I was flying in. I noticed that there's a little thing specific to the 737 Maxes. You know the little winglet at the end of the plane? Mm-hmm. So Southwest, I see them all the time. It's got the little yeah. winglet that sticks up off the wing. The 737 Max variants have two. There's one that sticks up and one that sticks down slightly. Oh, so I saw that yesterday and didn't have any idea what it was or anything until I saw this article today on what they are and 
for some reason that adds to the that's one of the different um, aero, aerodynamic improvements. Well, maybe they, they take that extra flap off and then go from I, there. I don't, I, I don't think it was the flap. I don't think it was the split winglet that, uh, that caused the plane to go down. But I'm I'm just as much of an aircraft and accident investigator as you are, so maybe you are onto something. Get rid of that extra winglet. Yeah. When we come back, the principal, who was principal, at Columbine High School in 1999, is out with a memoir. And he said, I let them down. 13 people died on my watch. We'll talk about what this guy thinks about what happened that day in 1999 when we come back. Gary and Shannon. It's out with his budget. The White House top budget official took to the podium today in the uh, White House press room. Budget director, I uh, should say acting budget director Russell Vault briefed reporters today on the spending blueprint for the president. He said gross domestic product grew by 3.1% 2018 fiscal year and that the administration has met its economic forecast for the last two years in a row. Also, locally, we told you that uh, we finally do, unfortunately, have an identification on the girl found dead in the duffel bag. A couple of people have been detained in connection with that case. Andrew Mullenbeck has been updating us throughout the day on this. Sheriff's Department said that they determined this girl was nine-year-old Trinity Love Jones, that she was, in fact, killed by somebody. Cause of death being withheld, however. The two people detained are only described at this point persons of interest. They haven't said exactly uh, their names have not been released. They haven't said exactly why they're holding them or what they think they could potentially charge them with. Frank DeAngelis was the Columbine High School headmaster on that day in April 20th, 1999. He has written a memoir. He's opening up about his regrets. This is just ahead of the 20th anniversary. Wow, 20 years. He says, my worst nightmare became a reality on that day. When Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold wore those trench coats stocked with an arsenal of weapons and opened fire in the halls of Columbine High. His memoir is called They Call Me Mr. D. And he's done a couple interviews uh, about what's in his memoir. And he's recounting all of the details of that very day. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm getting this feeling in my gut about... Uh, whether or not I would want to read through this. I read a book on Columbine. It was really well done. Um, I believe it was even called Columbine. I'm just I'm just trying to find out the author here because well, it was it was a a postmortem mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And David Cullen wrote this book. It's just called Columbine by Dave Cullen. It was exhaustive and it was detailed and it I don't want to say it was very good right because it's terrible what happened but it is a it very was well done it was a, yeah 
Well done account. Well, and I look at this and I think, I don't remember if I read that book or not, but that does sound familiar. We've probably talked about it before, but um, I I don't know if I would want to go through more hearing how painful this Reliving incident it. was for somebody. Yeah. Because the, I, I mean, I can, I can guess, I, I can put a lot together and probably whatever he would say in the pages of this book would be even more ridiculously bad and torturous than I can imagine. But, uh, in fact, I would say it reminded me, the feeling I get is it reminds me of last week choosing to watch the second half of of Leaving Neverland or not. Yeah. And, like, I get it. I I know enough. I don't have to get even more graphic. I don't even have to get more um, specific about crimes that were committed against these kids. And in this case, the deaths of 13 kids uh, or the 12 kids and a teacher. Um, I don't, I don't know where to where to put this for this guy, except that this has got to be one of those incredibly cathartic processes that you go through to heal. He says it was a beautiful spring day, seventy degrees, blue skies. My secretary comes run running in and says there's a report of gunfire. He left his office to see the events unfolding at his school under his watch with his own eyes. He says he found himself face to face with one of the shooters. He was wearing a backwards baseball cap, a white T-shirt, and a black vest. Frank says, I remember the gun, a long gun. And he says, suddenly a flock of girls coming out of a locker room on their on their way to the gym class. And they were in the middle of the crossfire, he says, so I ran to them. They run down a side hallway toward the gym, but the door's locked. The girls are screaming. The shooter's firing shots. He's getting closer. He says that he scrambled to pull out his keys, miraculously got the right one on the first try. And they hid in that gym for the next three hours. That was, of course, back. One of the criticisms about the response was that the uh, SWAT team and the other officers who showed up wait until they have uh, what they believe was the the numbers. They had a better uh, idea of where the gunmen were before they went in. They waited three hours to intervene because they were afraid that they were still shooting inside. Well, that obviously has changed in the 20 years since that happened to where police officers go in without waiting for backup. Twelve students and one teacher were killed on that day. Twenty-four more were wounded. He says he he was he he was blamed for the shooting because many thought that his jock mentality meant that he turned a blind eye to bullying. Which is interesting. I mean, to go back 20 years and describe what you were thinking at the feeling at the time, even if it's frozen in your mind because of the pressure of an incident like that. But he says, I let them down. Something that I have to live with is 13 people died on my watch. The damage and the devastation was done by two of my kids, is what he says. Listen to this. He's talking about the ripple effect of, of other tragedies after that day. That a student who held the body of a dying teacher later hanged himself. The mother of a paralyzed student took her own life. And many turned to alcohol and drugs and contemplated suicide. He says he has PTSD. It never gets back to normal. No. But one of the things that he says that he's done to try to put that back to normal, to repair the, the part of him that's broken, is that he became a counselor. Okay, first of all, it's disgusting that we have a counselor that can do this, but it's a counselor for schools where shootings have occurred. Oh, man. It should bother us to no end that that is, in fact, a thing. 
He says he campaigns for improved gun control regulations nationwide. I continue to fight because one more death is one too many. We need to come together as a society to make sure this violence ends. Uh, he was a he was a person that we never got to see. I was uh, I was at the high school the day after the shooting. I'd flown out and got there early in the morning. But that name, Frank DeAngelis, being the principal, was a guy that we always wanted to talk to. We wanted to hear from. And the the way that was set up, the media staging area sort of was set up, was there's a, a park adjacent to the school. It's like they share a border. And in the parking lot of the park is where we would all set up satellite trucks. Everybody had their cars, rental cars, whatever it was. And... The sheriff would come out, the spokesman for the sheriff would come out, and every four hours or whatever it was would give us an update on what was going on 100 yards over that little hill in the school and what was, and just the horrific nature of what these investigators were going in and finding when they were walking through there. And Frank DeAngelis was a guy that I don't ever remember interviewing, although there were always rumors that he was in the park. I mean, that because it became a place that was as close as you could get yeah. to the school without being on the campus because they weren't going to let anybody on campus. So that's where the people in the community, the other kids, the family members, whatever, that's where they were gather for their impromptu memorial services and that oh sort of thing. God. So you you couldn't I mean, I felt bad for them now and I don't think it would ever happen this way again. But there's reporters just walking through you know begging people for interviews yeah people you know crying and on their knees and they're so terrible and how a, long were you there three days yeah oh man that's a, that's a rough one it was like a tuesday and i think i left on friday or saturday something like that the shooting took place and it was bizarre also because he mentioned that it was a it was a beautiful spring day 70 degrees blue skies it was incredible i mean it was seeing it on tv it didn't make sense that's that can't be suburban denver it's April. Shouldn't there be snow on the ground? And then it snowed the next day. Wow. Bizarre. All right. Coming up next, uh, there's a guy in Ohio that has an interesting idea for Lent. I think we're, we should have Nick do this as well. Um, I'm up for it. Yeah, just to kind of see how that how I don't it works I don't like it, but I'm up for it. Is this similar to the guy who ate McDonald's every day for like I'm up month? for that, too. <laughs> Keep the ideas coming. Yeah. All right, we'll I tell love you it when is. you we come from a place of yes. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. This reminds me of Shasta Hall. <laughs> this reminds me of hearing this at a party and people going, I've been talking about all of values. That's it. That's all they know. I can't get through that. All right. Oh, wait, I got to do this first. I just okay. saw this interview with Nancy Pelosi. It shows up in the Washington Post. Oh, yes. The one where she says he's not worth it. I'm not for impeachment, says the Speaker of the House. Quote. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country and he's just not worth it. She made no friends in that interview. Zero. Well, the season of Lent means for Christians, uh, maybe fasting, maybe you give up a certain pleasure or vice. 
to focus more on God. Hey, bartender, another beer! So there is a man in Newtown, Ohio, that is going to go on the Brett Kavanaugh diet. Hmm. He's only going to... No, no, not Brett Kavanaugh. No? No, it's more of a monk from the 17th century diet. Okay. Uh, He's only going to drink beer. Okay. Just beer and water. No no solids. Uh... (laughs) He said that he's going to. Uh, they decided he would take a popular style of be- style of beer in Germany, the Bach beer, make it extra hearty, and that would be their liquid bread, and that's what they would call it. That's the the monks from the 1600s who would fast during Lenten season simply by drinking this Bach beer diet. So the monks in Bavaria they'd call Dop- Doppelbach liquid bread. Basically, it would sustain them through the 46 days of Lent. He said he previously did a four-day water fast, but this is a very different beast. Four-day water fast. So just drinking water for four days? That's very different than going 46 days with nothing but... How are you not just drunk for 46 days? I suppose you are, but or you only have one, you know, one every meal as a meal replacement, perhaps. Okay. You know, like so. A, instead of breakfast, you have a beer. Sure. Instead of lunch, you have a beer. Yeah. Dinner. What's that beer. stuff that you guys drink every once in a while in here? Pedialyte. Pedialyte. It'd be like having a Pedialyte for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, hydration is key. And the number one ingredient in beer? Barley. No, love. Pops. Oh. The second ingredient? Water. And then all that other stuff. So love and water is all it takes for him to live for forty-six days. That's fine. I have another beer story for you. Oh, I'm loving. Wait. Hey, bartender, another beer! Did we get Nick to go with this? Oh, the beer thing? Yeah. I mean, we're a week late, but maybe we um, just push. I can Lent. make up for lost time. I'll start today and get caught up. <laughs> Wait, Lent already began? Yes. Are oh. you not? Where have you been? Well. Ash Wednesday. Where's right. your, Did you get your ashes? No. Did you mm. get yours? No. Okay. But I'm starting Lent now. So. I am too. What are you going to do? Um... Maybe I'll give up meat sticks. Okay. That's a horrible idea. Okay. <laughs> um, Don't because part shots. of it is, yeah, part of us is, part of it is, to, it's not, it's just making sure that you're reminded every day of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Right. Please don't make that painful for us. Yeah. Like I gave up, I gave up uh, social media outside of what I have to do for work. Right. I'm not using social media and I'm using that time like for prayer and stuff like that. That's beautiful. Uh. What are you giving up, Gary? Sugary sweets. Me too. That's what I'll do. Wait, you can't double what down on mine. That's mine. We can share it. There's not, one does not. Per- Shannon, do you really want to so spur the moment decide that you're not having any sugary sweets for the next 40 days? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm making a commitment to think, Jesus. But I don't Blake. think you're a sweet tooth, though, so I don't. I'm I don't, not. <laughs> it's literally giving me, it's like giving up nothing. You got to give up the salt. <laughs> My parents wouldn't let me give up sweets because I'm the same way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just not, don't even mean care. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll give up pouring gasoline on my own feet. Okay, forty-six okay. days. You sure you're going to go forty-six? Do days you want to hear my other beer story? Yes, the other beer story. Well, you have to do it on Sunday, so that's going to be that's weird. a good point. Um, okay, there was a, a, a suspected shoplifter at a Target in the Target dressing room. Oh, this is in Lathrop. She took her cart. And a six-pack of Stella. And she stayed there for over an hour on Saturday afternoon. Listen, she probably 
has children and needed a little breaky break. Sometimes mom has to go into the dressing room with a six-pack and have an hour apiece. Well, and she probably would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those damned kids. No, she probably would have gotten away with it if she didn't also walk out of the store with $200 worth of unpaid-for merchandise in the cart. Does anybody leave Target without paying $200? No. No. That's a, that's a good question. No. Do you really need that lamp? Speaking, no. speaking of beer, no, you don't. time for another gas. News and Brews coming up. Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomona. Come on down, grab a beer and some lunch. Enjoy the show. We have some giveaways this time, as a matter of fact. Uh, Friday, March 15th, that's this week, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., doing the show live. Old Stump Brewing on Metropolitan Place there in Pomona. Coming out, we'll see you and have an absolute blast. Tomorrow, we're going to look into this goat theft problem. I'm sure... I'm, I'm going to have to do my research then. Nick sent us some, oh, back, thank some God. background materials. Whew. All right. John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. L-A-T-T. I-H-T-B-D. Look at the time. I have to be going. Gary and Shannon.